What's that? Oh, okay. Hello, everyone. How's everyone? It's good to see you guys. I was praying today that God would bring those who he wanted to have here tonight. And hey, I got, I got to trust and believe that what we just sang about God's love, his goodness, applies to you and to me right here tonight. So no matter what you've gone through this week, I've, I trust that you hear the voice of God speaking to you through those songs and hopefully through this time in the Word that you'll see and hear that God is good, that He does love you no matter what is going on in your life tonight. Hey, two things before we jump into the Word of God. Uh, one is there is a retreat that Evan right over there, is uh, going to be leading, and uh, I, I've been on a retreat with Evan, and it's a phenomenal time, so I would highly recommend it. April 26th, um, so let's see, where do they register? Sign up sheet in the back, online, talk to Evan, okay? Retreat, April 26th. The other thing I want to point out is Easter's coming up. Guys, this is, our, this is our big celebration as followers of Jesus because we believe in the resurrection. And so it's worth celebrating. And so uh, that weekend, uh, April um, 21st, and the Friday, which is the 19th, we're going to have kind of a unique events. And the whole purpose here is to share Jesus and the message of Jesus with our community. So we're not going to have a service here on April 20th, so there won't be anyone here Saturday night. But Friday, the 19th, we'll be at the, the uh, Performing Arts Center, and there will be uh, kind of a musical uh, happening, talking about uh, the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And then Sunday, we're going to be at the Civic Center, and uh, the theme is Let There Be Lights, and we're going to be celebrating the light, light of Jesus. So the thing I want to encourage you is not just come, but consider who God might have you share Christ with this Easter season. This is, this is the way the gospel has always been communicated, as God has given us relationships. One of the things Evan has uh, been talking about, Rimrock Downtown, is the importance of relationships, both the community here, but as well as our relationships outside of church. Those that God has put in our lives, um, are, there's a reason God's put you in their life, and he wants to use you to be a light, to share the message of Jesus. So think about this, and not not just Easter, but all the time, how can you share Jesus with those in your life? Easter is a great opportunity to invite someone to come uh, to celebrate the resurrection and hear the gospel, but also be praying, how, how can God use you to share Jesus with someone in your life? All right, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to open the Word of God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. We've recognized through song already tonight that you are present. I believe it. I sense it, Lord. I'm excited that we get to be with you, Lord, and I'm excited about who's here, Lord. I'm excited that uh, you've brought them to this place at this moment, Lord, and I just pray that they would uh, hear you, that if, if that you would get me out of the way, that you would get any distraction out of the way, that, Lord, uh, we would be able to hear your words and your voice for our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and so uh, on the screen, we're going to have the first uh, 10 verses uh, that Jesus declared on a mountainside. Um, 
by the Sea of Galilee. So where, where Jesus did this, there's this beautiful lake surrounded by mountains. You can imagine, um, we don't know what time of year it is, but later in the sermon he talks about the birds and the flowers. So it must have been around springtime because uh, things were blooming, birds were singing. And so Jesus is sitting there, and we're going to read these words that he said. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And this is what we're going to talk about here tonight, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many of you have had expectations and things have gone differently than you expected? Ever happened to you? (laughs) Every day? Uh, Where's Ross? Is Ross in here? He just walked out. Okay, he just had a baby. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember uh, before I had my first son, and, uh, you know, you have a lot of expectations about what having kids is going to be like. How many parents here have, have kids? Okay, does it turn out a little different than you expected? Better in a lot of ways, but way different than you expect. One thing I'd like to do is I meet with couples who are thinking about getting married, and we talk about uh, what married life is going to be like, and and those who are married here, you know, a lot of things are different than what maybe you expected when you started out, right? So life is full of expectations. And with that comes some disappointments. Um, Jesus is telling us here about the kingdom of God. Earlier in chapter 4, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, it's at hand. That was the message of Jesus. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at near, is at hand. So he said, change your thinking, because God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, his action, his will that's being carried out in the world is happening right now. That's, that was the message of Jesus. God is at work. He's present, and he's working, and you better watch out. Better pay attention. And so Jesus is pa- saying this message, and now he's explaining what the kingdom of God is. And these statements of blessing tell us something. They tell us that God is a God of blessing. (laughs) Did you know that? That God is a God of blessing. He came to bless. He came to bring favor. He came to bring good into our world, into your life. That was the message of Jesus, to bring blessing, to bring goodness into the world. But this word blessing is highlighting the very presence of God. And so Jesus is saying here, blessing and satisfaction and fulfillment in life is only possible with God. And he's saying, here I am. (laughs) Jesus is offering blessing in his presence with us. And so here we have the declaration of God's kingdom as one of blessing and one where God's presence is available to us. That is is good news, my friends, (laughs) because we need God. We were created in the image of God. We were created to be in relationship with God, and we need him. And so Jesus is declaring that that's available. So the reality of the kingdom comes 
with certain expectations. And Jesus is reforming some of our expectations here. He's telling us about the kingdom. And so he talks about poor in spirit and mourning and meek and hunger and thirst. And he talks about um, mercy and pure and hard and peacemaking. And so he's reframing what goodness is, what satisfaction is, what fulfillment is in the human life, human existence. The world and culture and us as human beings, we have a lot of ideas of what will make us happy. And we do a lot of things that we think will make us happy. And Jesus is flipping the script. He's saying, actually, God's kingdom and what really makes you happy, what really fulfills you, what really satisfy you, satisfies you is different than what you think. It's different than what the world around you says. And so Jesus is reframing our expectations. This blessed life with Jesus recognizes the power of God's truth versus what we think is true and right. And so he is telling us what is good, what's right, what's ultimately true in God's reality. And he's helping us see that. And it's the new reality because our reality is distorted. It's broken. That's the human condition. It's one of brokenness and frustration and it's one where our reality ends in despair and ultimately death. And here, Jesus is saying, God's reality brings goodness, it brings life, and it brings everything that you were created for. So God uses circumstances to help us see the truth of his reality. Now, I want you to back up in chapter 4, because this will help us understand the, the verse we're looking at today. Today we're looking at, blessed are the persecuted. Now, you hear that word and you think, how can you be blessed when you're persecuted? That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But remember, God's reality is different than our reality. So we got to back up. Let's look at Jesus in chapter 4. It says he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Now, this word wilderness is literally a desert place that Jesus is going to. But throughout the Bible, wilderness is, a, is kind of a metaphor, a sign of hardship, trouble. Any of you ever been in trouble? <laughs> you ever been in hard times? <laughs> That's a wilderness. If you've experienced any of that, that is a wilderness experience. But notice, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. So what does that tell us? There's hard things in our lives but God's there. He's right there in the middle of it. And sometimes he's leading us through those times, those wilderness times in our lives. That's good news. God doesn't abandon us in those hard times. And so God leads Jesus into the wilderness. And what's happening? He's being tempted by the devil. He's being tempted by the devil. So here's the reality for us as human beings. We live in a broken world that's governed by the devil by a system that he has created that will ultimately bring about the destruction of human life. That's his design. He wants to make human existence miserable. <laughs> He's the opposite of God. God is all about goodness, about love, about life, and the devil is all about lying and deception and destruction. Okay, That's the reality. The Bible paints this picture, and it makes sense because you look around us, what do we see? <laughs> We see despair and deception 
and we see destruction and death all around us. You see, we live in a world that is consumed by the devil's power. And it's not just the devil's power in the world. The Bible tells us that each of us, our very natures, our very beings have been distorted by sin in such a way that we have a bent towards what is not good, what is not true, what is not right. We call this our flesh nature. It's, it's the natural tendency we have to do not what is right and good and true, God's way. We tend to do what is wrong and deceptive and destructive. Can you guys relate? <laughs> I see it in my life. I see it in my kids' lives. I see it in people all around me. It's true. We look around and we see this bent in us. And we see the devil's handiwork in our world around us. And so Jesus, the Son of God, is led by the Spirit of God into wilderness, into hardship, into trouble, and he's tempted. Now, I believe when... um, Jesus says here, blessed are the persecuted. He's talking about several different things. Because in the following verses, in 11 and 12, he talks about blessed are you when people insult you, when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you, and when they persecute you. Okay, So he's talking about, I don't think he's repeating himself four times here. He's talking about different kinds of resistance, different kinds of battle, different kinds of of struggle, temptation in our lives. And what I think he's talking about in verse 10 is the internal battle, the internal struggle in each of our souls, in each of our hearts. Because what God really cares about is our hearts. He's not just after our performance or our outward conformity to something. He wants our love. (laughs) He wants our hearts. Like, if, if my wife was forced to marry me just because... Our society demanded marriage, and so she just had to do it, but she didn't love me from her heart. That, that would be a miserable existence. In fact, we would call that abuse <laughs> or oppression. That's a bad deal. See, God's, God's not into that. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want our outward conformity to some kind of, 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 of standard. He wants our love. He wants our affection, and he wants our hearts. And so I believe this first verse verse 10 of chapter 5 when he says blessed are the persecuted he's talking about the internal struggle of righteousness of God's reality God's truth God's goodness in our own hearts and then in verse verses 11 and 12 he begins to address outward outward pressure outward persecution when we follow God's way God's reality God's truth does that make sense And so what we're seeing here in verse 10 is the internal struggle. Now here's the good news. Jesus knows what it's like because he went to the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil and he had an internal struggle just like we do. Because what does it say? He was tempted. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What's going on? This is, a, this is a conflict, a struggle, a battle for what is true and good and right. This is the struggle between God's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. And this battle is happening inside of Jesus' heart. This is our battle as well. And I think when he says, blessed are the persecuted, he's talking about the internal struggle 
of our hearts, if we're going to align our lives, if we are going to become the followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and allow him to transform our hearts and our inner beings, there's going to be a struggle. <laughs> I, like, I like what my dad used to say. He was a pastor growing up. I heard him say this all the time. He said, a lot of times when we become Christians, we think we're going to get on a cruise ship. So we're going to go to the Caribbean and just take it easy, sit back and enjoy, right? <laughs> and he says, we get on the ship and we find out it's a battleship, right? The reality, expectations. Jesus isn't deceiving us here. He's saying, it's going to be a battle. There's going to be a struggle. You're going to be persecuted. This isn't going to be easy. And so, if we're going to allow God to transform us, to allow our lives to be in line with the reality of God, we have to realize there's a battle. And what's the battle over? It's over righteousness. What does he say we're persecuted for? Because of righteousness. That's the key. If we miss that, we miss what God wants to do in our lives because of God's righteousness. And I think what he's describing as righteousness there is really everything he's already said in verses 3 through 8. Being poor in spirit, being humble, the mourning, the realization that only God can fill our hearts and, and comfort us, meekness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, what is right, good, and true, mercy, being pure in heart, and being a peacemaker. All of these things reflect the righteousness of God, the transformed heart, the way of being that is God's way of being in the world with Jesus. So here's the deal. If God has revealed what is good, right, and true, this is very different from our own internal perceptions, feelings, or even experiences. Our own desires can be contrary to God's righteousness. Okay, let me repeat that. That's important. God's righteousness can be very different from our own perceptions, our own experiences, our own desires, our own feelings. You see, we can deceive ourselves, and we can be deceived. And so we have to realize what God is saying is good and right and true may be different than what we think. And so we have to come to this reality that what are we going to believe what are we going to trust? Are we going to look within ourselves and say, I'm going to do what I feel, what I think, what I think is good and right or true? Or am I going to trust that what God says is good and right and true? Now, we live in a world that, that totally rejects this. The world says, do whatever you think is right. In fact, the world says, look within yourself. Now, the Bible tells us if we look within ourselves, we're going to be in big trouble because the heart is deceptive <laughs> above all else. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard about this story, but uh, there was a guy, I think in Europe, I think it was up in the Netherlands, and, um, and he put in a petition to the court. He said, I'm 69 years old, but I feel like I'm 49. And so I want to change my age to 49 because he wanted to go on these uh, dating sites and he was having a hard time getting a date at 69. <laughs> so he thought, I'll have a better chance if I'm 49. <laughs> so he went to the court and said, this is what I feel. This is what I think is right. And so I demand that you recognize that I'm this age. Now we laugh about that. But isn't that what our culture says all the time? Do what you think is right. Be who you think you are. 
This sounds extreme, but we do this every day. We do this every day. And our society does this every day. We change our laws. We change what we believe we are based on what we think, on our own perceptions. We think a lot of times the conflicts, the problems that we have in our lives, we think are, are, are other people, and it's their problem. So a lot of times I, I, I talk with people, and they're convinced that they're, the, the problem is their spouse, it's their sibling, it's their parents, their boss. They think it's their uh, Facebook community, their Instagram community that's making them miserable. And so you have all these realities. And what it is, it's the same temptation that the devil came to Jesus. What did Jesus, ha- what did Jesus have? He had hunger. He had a desire for bread. <laughs> he had been 40 days without any food. He was hungry. But what did the devil tell him? Take those stones and turn them to bread. Now, if n- anything else highlights the human condition, it's this. We want to turn stones into bread. You see, we try to make things fit to satisfy us, to fulfill us, to make us happy that we're never meant to do that. We can't survive off of stones. Sto- if you try to eat a stone, you're going to be disappointed, right? But the devil tried to change the truth, the goodness, and make it into something that it wasn't. He exchanged the truth for a lie, that somehow stones could satisfy Jesus. And don't we do that as well? We think our spouse, our sibling, our parent, our boss, our Instagram, our Facebook community is somehow going to make us happy. But it doesn't. And we think if we just do whatever we feel, whatever we think is right, then I'm going to be satisfied. But that's a lie. And the devil knows it. And he wants to wage war on our being because he wants to destroy us. And that's what's happening in our world. And the good news is that Jesus defeated the devil because he saw through the lie and he makes it possible for us to see through the lie. Because what did Jesus tell the devil, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus pointed out the truth. <laughs> Stones won't satisfy me, but God, he can fulfill me. He can satisfy me. He's what I need to truly live. That's why Jesus came into the world. He said he came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. And so when he says, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, he's talking about that internal struggle in each of our hearts for what is true, good, and right versus what God says versus our own perceptions, our own feelings, our own desires. And if we, like Jesus, turn to God in that moment and say, I'm going to depend on God's word, not what I feel, what I think, what I desire, then Jesus provides for us. He satisfies us. He provides for our innermost needs and our being is restored in him. And so how do we make bread out of stones? We, we think money can somehow satisfy, position, power, fame, sometimes being accepted by others. I, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. I've wanted to be liked by others, how we feel, how we look, 
all these things are transitory. They don't fully satisfy us. They, they're here one moment and then they're gone. And so these things were never meant to give us life. Only God can do that. Only God can truly fulfill you. Only God is good. Only he can really bring blessing into your life. Now you can hear that. I can hear that. But do you believe it? <laughs> have, you, have you put your trust in him? Have you found that he's enough for you? So how, do, how should we think about persecution? If we understand that righteousness is ultimately God himself, and it's his way, his truth, his goodness, and if we, if we believe that, we trust that, we stake our life on that, then how do we think about persecution? And so this reality of the internal struggle, and there's also going to be an external struggle, and we're going to get into that next, next week. But we have to understand the reality of a spiritual battle, that there's a, there's, a, there's a war raging in our world, and there's a war raging for our hearts. And we have to understand that people are ultimately not the enemy. <laughs> and this is so important to realize because a lot of times, because we think we're getting our life from other people and because we want to get acceptance and everything from other people, we think, we think our world is coming to an end if we have a conflict with someone else and we begin to attack or begin to think that person is ultimately our problem. And the Bible tells us very clearly, flesh and blood is not our enemy. Satan is ultimately our enemy and it's our own bent natures the flesh, the lust of the eye, the desire for life, the pride of life, all of that is the flesh and the world system we live in. And so the Bible talks about three enemies, the devil, our own flesh, and the world system. And so people are not our enemies. We see this with Jesus later on because the people have turned against him, right? And they're mocking him, they're spitting on him, they're beating him, and they're nailing him to a cross. They're killing him. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. You see, Jesus didn't look at those people as enemies. In fact, he was willing to lay down his life for them, the very people that were hurting him, mocking him. And so what does this tell us about persecution? It tells us that Jesus doesn't see other people as the problem. He sees this war that Satan has against us as ultimately the problem. And so we cannot, in the battle, demonize other people. We have to see people the way Jesus sees them. People can be lost, they can be deceived, they can be wrong, but Jesus loved his enemies. He loved the people who were deceived and lost. In fact, he said, I came not for the well, but for the sick. <laughs> and so how we think about hardship and struggle it matters how we see people in our life in the middle of those times. And so it's not your husband, it's not your wife, it's not your parent, it's not your neighbor, it's not the politician, it's not the Democrat or Republican, it's not your coworker, it's not the person of the other religion. Those are not your enemies. Those are not our enemies. The real enemy is the devil, it's the world system, and it's our own bent flesh within us. And so there's a battle there's a battle raging for your heart. And remember what Jesus is after is he's, he's after blessing. He wants to bless you. But he, in order to bless you, he wants you to be transformed into his image. And he's, he wants you to be a kind of 
a certain kind of person. And so he's, he's helping us understand what kind of person that is in the Sermon on the Mount. I love that it says Jesus came full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And so the truth sets us free, but we need grace. Because we come to this reality of the kingdom and none of us measures up, right? <laughs> we can read through this list of, of the, 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 the defining reality of the kingdom and we can say, I, I don't look like that in every area of my life. But Jesus came full of truth and grace. He came to set us free and he came to save us. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. I want to notice one more thing before we take communion here together and end our time. The promise here is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you go one verse up before Jesus went into the wilderness and before he was tempted, before this persecution with the devil began to happen in his heart, verse 17, we're told after he's baptized, a voice came from heaven, and this is what the voice said to Jesus. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. When we go into the battle, and we understand the battle, we have to remember our identity. We have to remember our identity, who we are, who God says we are. Because remember, Satan's a liar, and he's going to try to get us off track, and we're going to think we're lots of different things. But before Jesus went into battle, he had to hear the voice of God, the word of God. He's the son of God, he's loved, and God is pleased with him. What does the Bible tell us Jesus has given to us? <laughs> when Jesus died on that cross and he rose again, he gave us a new identity. We're no longer children of the devil. We're no longer children of our own flesh, and we're no longer children of this world system. We are called children of God. We are called children of God. In fact, that's what Jesus said in the Beatitudes, right? For they will be called children of God. That is who we are. Not because of what we have done, because of what Jesus has provided for us. And so we're going to go and take communion. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And the reason we do this, the reason we do this regularly, Jesus said, do this and remember to me, is because we have to remember who we are. We have to remember who we are. We are the forgiven. We are the chosen. We are the people that God has redeemed. We are not defined by our sin or our brokenness. We are defined by the victory of Jesus in our lives. We are defined by who God is, his truth, his goodness, and his righteousness. And so I want to invite you to come when you're ready, and uh, the, the worship team is going to be, and, you're, and just dip the bread in into the, the, the cup, and the bread represents the body of Christ that was broken so that we could be restored. And the, blood rep the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled. And he said, this is the blood of my covenant, meaning this is his promise that his blood can forgive, that he will save, and that he has the victory. The battle that you are facing tonight, today, there's victory in Jesus. So come, let's remember and celebrate what Jesus has done.